welcome to another episode of Hour of Healing. Once again, I am your weekly host, Joe Deborah. And joining us again today is Dr. Bright AJ, who we just had last week for our first part of Break by Break. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a great conversation. If you haven't listened, we will employ you to go listen to the part one of this before you even uh, decide to listen to this as a continuation. Again, briefly, Dr. Brighter J is in physical therapy. He currently works as a physical therapist, but also is a big-time real estate agent. Um, but importantly about him is that he is a man who loves God and desires to make an impact, not just in himself, but also bringing people like you and I along so we can make an impact. He is a proud father of two and a proud husband of one wife. Dr. Brighter J, welcome back again to Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So um, in part one of Break by Break, we looked at a systematic way of becoming financially independent or becoming debt-free. And you did mention a lot of things uh, with us, which one of the things that I uh, kind of um, took is increasing yourself or enlarging your capacity sometimes to even do more. I think that is very, very profound. And that will be kind of um, the bedrock for our discussion on part two here. So um, our focus really in this part is um, a systematic way of creating wealth. You know, in scripture, um, Proverbs says that the wise person leaves wealth, not just for their children, but their children's children. And I think um, today in a Christian society, a lot of us miss that or we read it and we just think, oh, it's just one of those things about right. money. Um, in part, really because of how some of, uh, some of our pastors and preachers <laughs> have kind of um, yeah. misconstrued the idea of right. wealth. Right. Uh, in fact, as a Christian myself, it really does bother me when right. I hear a preacher saying, I have to drive all these fancy cars. For people to know that God is good. No, you don't. Right. Um, but that's not the purpose for uh, this discussion. But um, the, the purpose for this discussion really is to help our listeners uh, get to a place where they will be able to not only be financially free, as we talked about in part one of Brick by Brick, but also create wealth for their families. And so... Um, before, without wasting too much time, let's just uh, go ahead and bring in our guest again, Dr. Brighter J, and pick up right where we uh, kind of uh, left off. Thank you for joining us once again. Thank you for having me. So um, one of the uh, uh, questions that really I uh, always uh, want to um, ask when I talk to people like yourself and um, CPAs, people who have been there, and ahead of me in the ladder or in climbing the ladder to financial freedom is how do we even just get started? Um, it's, it's just so broad. I mean, right. you start reading books and right. you realize right. you are so behind. So right. how do we just right. get started? Right. I think getting started um, first and foremost is, you know, making that decision, making that decision that you want to, change or improve or get rid of it or minimize it. I think that that's a decision. And unfortunately, sometimes, especially if you're married, then it means it takes two, makes it even harder work. Like I said, I think I totally, you know, most people, we are not minimizing the plight of this. It can be overwhelming. Absolutely. 
And it can feel like, what's the point? Because you, you're never going to see that finish line. So I think the first part is really making that decision to know it's a journey. It's not a sprint, you know, because just the fact that you start means you're making yourself better for the years ahead of what's past, you know. And so for me, it's all about once you make that decision, then it comes to putting plans in place. And so some of those we talked about briefly, the first part is just making a budget because that's something you can do today. You know, today, you yes. know what all your bills are. You know what all comes in. So you find what are some of the necessities, you know, room, board, food, shelter, you know, and what are some of the nice to haves. And then you try to find out where can you negotiate, you know, because you're trying to minimize your output. That's the second part. And then now you try to see how can you increase your input? How can you make more, so to speak? How can you save more so you can apply it to whatever it is you're trying to do. But I think in always doing that too, really one of the things that's very, very important is you have, you know, you hear the 10 people say pay yourself. I think it's very important. You have to have some sort of reward for yourself because that's what's going to motivate you to keep going. You know, that reward doesn't have to be some huge something, but it's something that means something to you. So for me, for instance, always having a date night with my wife on a Friday evening was very important to me. And so... I could cut funds certain places as long as I can stay within budget, but we'll be able to have that. Now, sometimes it got so bad, our date night was going to wings and have wings, $10. But it was the idea behind it that we're excited to look forward to that. You know, right. So I think they're all, in as much as you're trying to tackle something, there has to be practical and realistic. You know, Don't go make plans if you make $100 and say, I'm going to pay off 2000 at the end of the month. That's not realistic, you know? <laughs> and so it has to be something that's realistic, that's feasible. And as and when, I think the discipline really comes in, as and when you make more is to resist the urge to waste that money. More. You know, because once that comes in, once you invest in yourself, you increase your capacity. It's easier to think, oh, now I make more. So guess what? You forget the principle behind it. Mm. And then you start, then you miss the point. I remember I was talking to one person I was helping with this, and I said, you know, if you've kept the discipline and you're able to save $1,000 a month and you make more money and you can't save that money, that means you missed the point of what you were doing. Correct. You know, right. because at some point it's, it's a culture, it's a discipline, and once you understand money to a degree, now you actually loathe doing certain things. Mm. I remember, you know, we, we saved probably 10 or 15% of our expenses just by going using cash. Because when you use cash, you think about it. Yes. All of a sudden, you think about it two or three times. Like, do I really want this? Nah, maybe I don't want it that bad. Whereas if you use a card, even things you don't need, you're like, fine, I'll pay you later. So th- there's some yep. practical ways you try to. I took all our credit cards and ripped them apart. Mm. I mean, it was, a, it, was a, it was a shocking decision. But I was like, you know what? If you're going to do this, either you're in or you're not. So I kept only mm. one credit card. And my wife has only that one credit card. Just in case we won't point to something. But the whole idea, even with that, was a decision. If we use a credit card, we have to pay it off by the end. Unless it's a true emergency, which can happen. You know, when you start a journey like this, true emergency, unfortunately, can happen. And sometimes, you know, you need that. But no, I think make that decision, make that budget, financially apportion every dollar a name. Mm. You know, so you know groceries, $50, this, $10, water, bill. So you start realizing what are some of the things I can increase. Maybe instead of turning the heat all the way up, and I've done all these, I'll wear a little extra sweater. 
And in the beginning, my wife would not, why is it so cold in the house? Well, we're saving money. <laughs> it became like a joke and a game, you know. But eventually, all of those, they add up. And you start seeing. And for me personally, I started noticing my health improving because I wasn't as stressed. I started uh-huh. to realize I could sleep a little bit better. You know, mm-hmm. all these things that were like, man, you go to bed, you can't sleep because you always think about these things. They started mm-hmm. improving gradually. Yep. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, so, I, I mean, you are in real estate now and you are also a full-time physical therapist. So um, let's talk about real estate a little bit because a, a lot has been said about real estate. Um, the question is, is it safe? Is it worth it? And then to start it, um, what's the best way to approach this? Do you join a group? Do you do it by yourself? Do you start with your own house? Uh, shed some light on this um, as much as you can for us. Right. So the, they say, well, there's several ways to skin a cat, right? Yes. And so there are many vehicles, um, and everything is all about time and the season. You know, mm-hmm. real estate has been one of the fundamental ways people have been able to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Partly because it's an investment. You know, if you take, for instance, simple people living on apartments, your overhead living at home comparatively is probably higher. But the home is an investment in the sense that if you sell it, you always get something back out of it. Mm-hmm. But that's if you got it or you pay at the right price. So there is a caveat to that. And mm-hmm. so for some people, yes, yeah, sometimes the vehicle to get in is to start with, you know, the group. So the overhead is a little bit less, which also, you know, profits a little bit less, but there's, there's some shock built in in case there's a downturn or a bad year. Because depending on what stage you're in, there's certain things you cannot put too much on yourself. Because it's, you know, it's like personally, I got to a point I never wanted to manage properties. Because it has its own headache. And I didn't have the time or the resource or the vehicle at that point to do that. But that's what a lot of people do. You know, I've had some of my friends that I've got houses for that they made it a rental and they would save you money off it a little bit. So you can make, but you have to be in a position when it comes to that, that if let's say until you find the right tenant, well, somebody still has to pay the bill. So it's all about different stages in life, but real estate by and large, yes, typically you really go wrong with that. If you got it at the right time at the right price, you know, especially in the last couple of years with the way the market was, I mean, it, it it was unbelievable. You know, yeah. you could make some money you won't make in 10 years just by, you know, because people are always going to leave, need somewhere to stay. People are always yes. going to need somewhere to live. And so it's, it's a relatively safe investment, so to speak, in that sense. But, of course, you have to get at the right price and at the right terms so you're not underwater. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's always about starting small and slowly over time, building out a portfolio, so to speak. But you don't you don't want to dive in. So, I, you know, we talked about this. One of the friends I was talking to, we just finished medical school, same thing. They're trying to get a home. And the first thing, as I'm talking, understanding financial principles, I said, you know, you can get a home that says a million bucks because your paycheck will support it. But you start <laughs> somewhere and go somewhere. You have to look at the bigger picture. So guess what? Why don't you get a home that's maybe 300000 400000 It's probably chump change for you while you tackle all the other debt. Three, four mm-hmm. years from now, you'll be in a whole different state because you've gotten rid of this, you've gotten rid of this, now you have more. Well, guess what? Now you can, you may decide to sell the house or don't sell the house. You can rent it for somebody. Now that's property number one. You get another mm-hmm. one. So it's a mindset. 
and it, it, there's several ways to do that. But you know, depending on your local market, you get a good realtor who knows the market, get the right properties because you definitely want properties that have a lot of capital to maintain on all those things. Because then Correct. it becomes like the analogy you made last week about a broken down car. You know, if you spend mm-hmm. money to fix this, fix that, fix this, it, it's then it becomes, you know, and and there no these days there's no quick flips like you used to be or you see on TV all the time. Those are yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's more made for TV type thing. You know, they're, they're still kind of there. But as somebody starting out, usually you don't want to go that route because those are risky. Okay. Those are more for senior investors who have a lot of money and backing, you know, looking good. But yeah, no, real estate is it's a good, good one of the investment vehicles. Yeah. So, uh, dear listener, real estate is a good investment vehicle, but you have to understand the time and the season for it. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, this all ties in uh, very nicely to um, uh, our, our overall team, which is uh, healing. Because if you do this, the goal is to uh, help you create wealth. But if you don't understand the times of it, or if you don't understand the season in real estate when you get involved, it might become a headache. It might become the disease that you will eventually need healing from that as well. So thank you for that. Um, the, the other question that I have for you uh, really um, kind of ties into what we talked about last week about where our backgrounds are. We didn't have parents uh, who, um, for one reason or another, I mean, being immigrants and things of that nature, we didn't have that um, parents uh, acquired or deposited money that we could use for school and things like that. And um, uh, personally, I remember when I was in med school, some of my friends who feel so bad that I had to uh, be looking for co-signers and things of that nature. And so they, they, and I tell them, I say, hey, you should be happy. I mean, I would love if my parents were able to do this for me. Unfortunately, things didn't work out that way. So now um, in our position, because we are both young parents and most of our listeners are. And so how do we not put our children right. in that position right. um, because I believe that if our children don't have to take out a lot of student loans, right. it is one of the ways we are building wealth. Right. And so I know there is 529, right. but how do we right. um, help our children not be put in the position that we were put in right. to have to take out a lot of loans right. uh, to achieve the degree or to be able to get that uh, degree that they need for their career. Right. So, like, one of the jokes in my house, my wife says, is, as soon as my daughter can read, she'll only be reading financial books. That's one <laughs> way. Because she has to understand it to a degree for herself. You know, because mm-hmm. if they don't, even when we give them the platform, they will still waste their money. Because they have to understand what it is. But, yeah, no, to your point, one of the best resources for me, honestly, because nobody professionally taught us some of these things. Like you mentioned, we're immigrants. We kind of learn it as we go. We're students. One of my best resources are my patients. Because there are some who have made it, who are able to leave some of these chances change for their kids. So when yes. I'm working with them, and as much as they think I'm healing them, I am trying to learn every little bit of information I can get from them about yes. what did they do? How did they do this for the kids? How did... You know, and one of these, like you said, you know, the five two and nine. These days, there are a lot of other ways people talk about even life insurance policies for their kids that have you know um, benefits, so to speak, for education and all those things. So there, there are a lot of vehicles. You know, kids. Some of the kids, when they start learning, one of the my assistants, as soon as they come, I tell them, you know, you don't have any bills. You live at home. Everything you're making now, 
divide into three, save one third of it, invest the other one third, and you can use the other one third for expenses, even though you don't have anything. Just get them <laughs> to understand the culture and understand how money is, you know. And so for us, a lot of that is, one, we have to learn as much as we can because we can only show what we know. That's really yes. critical. If we don't know, we can't teach them. Two, we have to then teach them, the kids, and they have to learn, like I said. Even though I'm joking, yeah, my daughter is going to only read because at some point she probably should end up knowing more than I do. You know, one of the things I have come to understand, matter of fact, in a way, is the way you make it in this country, you know, they, they, they talk about four quadrants, but they're the entrepreneurs, the people. You're going to get to the level you and I think we want to get to only when you employ other people or you work for yourself. So a lot of them, like if my daughter used to be the mindset is, I want to be a lawyer, that doesn't stop there. You want to be a lawyer so you can open your business and hire other people. Once you get that concept, that's actually what's going to take you to where you're trying to get to. You know, So a lot of them, when I talk to a lot of younger people, the, the mindset now I give to them is it's not just where as we grew up where you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, you want to be whatever, a teacher, and that's it. It's how can you own a business? Because ultimately, that's one of the short ways you actually make build that wealth. It's how you own a business. So whatever you do, how do you turn into a business? You know, all these entrepreneurs we have, that's the whole idea is you find a problem, you try to solve the problem, you create something, and then boom. You know, and so a lot of them, like I, you still can do what it is you want to do, but don't think in a mindset of how can I do this so somebody can employ me? Because then there's only a ceiling to which you can reach. Correct. It's a matter of fact. But when you get to a point where you have no ceiling, you have the potential, you are the one running, then guess what? You control those terms. And so a lot of the kids, to me, that's the ultimate goal now. And for them, like you said, thankfully, they don't have some of the shackles you and I had. You know, they're not first generation where they have to take care of their kids and their parents and their uncles. No. Yeah. So they should have less of a stress from that point and be able to be free to be able to think and see what they're good at and how do you monetize, how do you make a career out of that? You know? Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think one, one thing that, uh, one theme that I keep um, getting from your answers to us is uh, placing man, uh, value on uh, money oh. or finances um, because uh, the example I know it was, uh, you said it as a joke, right. but your daughter being financially uh, literate yep. is basically her learning to yep. value money. Yep. And that is something that uh, in our culture, I know our people really don't value money. And so whatever amount of money comes into their hand, uh, they basically just blow it. Um, I, I was shocked uh, when I went to uh, Ghana in 2018 uh, and uh, went to hang out with some friends. And I mean, the amount of money they were spending, <laughs> right. I, I, I was just right. in awe. Right. And I was like, but I think we make more money than right, these right, people. Right. So how, how are okay. they able to spend right. this much? Right. And so I think va learning um, right. how to value money right is um, very, very valuable. Right. Um, can you provide a kind of a simple blueprint right. as to how we should approach influx of money, uh, whether it is from paychecks, I know you mentioned like you get a Christmas gift, you get something from uh, Thanksgiving, 
and some people are fortunate um, also to have inheritance from right. family. So uh, can you kind of uh, give us some simple blueprints as to how we can approach uh, money uh, in this sense? Because in a way, we all hope to be able to uh, get to a place where we are not the people being hired, but we are rather hiring other people. Right. So right before I get to that, I'm going to piggyback on what you said. I think it's very important people also understand the reason why, at least for me, the reason why we're trying to become financially independent. It's not just so we have money in the bank and sit there and say, oh, I, look at me, all the money. No, it's to be able to be a blessing to others. I yes. think that, that there's real satisfaction in knowing when somebody's in need and you're in a position you can help. It's about making an impact, you know, and a lot yes. of the impact we all yearn to be able to make, it takes money to do that. And so the whole goal of this is not to see how much we can accumulate. It's really how much we can bless and share other people. So for me, that's yes. very, very important, you know, is to be in a position privileged enough to share both the financial wealth resources about our time, information, all of this. That's the whole point because we pull each other up that way. In terms of a blueprint, like I said, you know, with my, it depends on what stage of life you're at and what, what sort of situation you're in, you know, and I used my staff as an example. Most of them, let's say they're college age, young adults, you know, they don't really have to say, for instance, they don't have mortgage, none of that. And so for them, there's really no expenses, so to speak. And so they always, I always joke with them, like split your income, your paycheck into three, you know, use one third, whatever save the other two thirds. Now I was reading an article yesterday or something, and he's talking about to a degree to that point, everybody should kind of almost have four accounts. Mm. So your regular checking account, you know, which everything comes in and goes, which pays the bills. You have a savings account, you know, these days you can even have online savings accounts, which, you know, I remember when I learned that and I shared with people, it's funny because online savings accounts or the money market savings accounts, their rate may be 3%. It's not much, but the regular savings account from like the traditional banks, Wells Fargo, whatever, is like 0 0.01, 0 0.02. 0 <laughs> so just from that, that's like 300% increase. So by doing nothing Correct. with the money just sitting somewhere better, you get a little bit more, you know. But yeah, his point was checking account, savings account, where the savings, you know, that's kind of saving for a rainy day. One of the other ones are like an entrepreneurship account. That's what we're talking about when you invest in yourself. You know, right. something that you're building, something working on your passion, that's something you can make a business out of it where you own that. And so, you know, he is basically saying you spread and then one, like a retirement account. Like, so those are the mm -hmm. four vehicles, you know, so it kind of answers that question where depending on what it is you're trying to achieve in life, you know, definitely diversifying is very important because you can't put all of them in one because nobody knows tomorrow. Right. You know, but right. based on once you do your budget, based on whatever is left behind, because if I have a hundred dollar debt, then I can only put so much here, here, here. But if right. I have no debt, then I can change that. And to me, a lot of how you do that math depends on what your goals are. You know, part of, you know, some of us, you want to get to a point, say, for instance, you want to travel a lot. So for me, if I have no debt, my play money, that's where it might go into. I never go shopping. I never buy shoes. But for somebody that's what's important to them because i think that's important that paying yourself first is very important because that's what will keep you motivated to work hard to do all these things but in terms of how you actually split absolutely having that retirement account savings account checking account and the entrepreneurship account and then you apportion a certain amount and it becomes automatic so most banks 
you can set all these accounts. And some of those, for instance, you don't want to be an account you see every day. You, it's like set and forget it. So every time when your paycheck, you make $100, you know you apportion 20% of that to be put here. Guess what? Every time that paycheck is already done before you see it. So now it's building in the background. You know, the, most of them will tell you, rule. you know, there's calculations to do how much money you want to save for retirement. Most of them will be anywhere from 15 to 20%. You know, and so once you know that you portion that, now in the beginning, you might do 5% because you're trying to pay down your debt. That's my point. But once you get to a certain point, let's say now the debt is no more, then guess what? Start ramping it up. You know, so once you deviate up, you 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 if God forbid something happens to this part, this this is still good. Yeah, you know? sounds good. Um there's sometimes what a young Christians will ask is where does tith- uh tithing actually fit into uh this whole picture of becoming financially independent and creating wealth? Um because um to the Christian the, the, the idea or our idea is God gives us the ability to create wealth. Um, I personally, I think that Titan actually comes even before this four account setup uh, is in play. And so your Titan is the first 10%. It goes where it needs to go. And then we're talking about the 90% that really comes to you as your income. But that's uh, what my idea is. Um, uh, do you mind to share some uh, idea or share some thoughts on this for us? Right, right. So this is where sometimes people think I'm controversial. So let me say this. If I asked Joe to give me a dollar, so I give you $2, and you gave me the dollar, and I give you $2. Next time, if I ask you to give me a dollar, so I give you $5, are you going to wonder? See, I, I think, some, personally, I think the church uses tithe to raise less money. And the reason why I say that, I think we put so much of the 10% in people's mind that people who can give 50%. But guess what? They're just doing yes. their due duty because they say they only want 10%. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something God is blessing you, do you think I need to come cajole you how much you're going to give for God? <laughs> so sometimes it makes me wonder, like even the pastors, how much of it they get. Because they, all they know is that 10%. I'm like, no. If God is blessing me and I have all these, like I said, remember I said the goal of being independent financially is not so you have some money sitting in the bank. No, 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 no is to do yeah, things for God. Mm-hmm. And so if you put some of this in, and God has brought you a certain, you know, point, you, you actually itch to want to bless people because yes. all the yes. glory goes back to God. That is why if we, you know, to be honest, some of our Caucasian friends can write checks that blows our mind because we're yep. wondering, how can they do that? Yeah, if you understand God, you don't put numbers and say, no, no, no. So, I tend to shy away really from that. I always tell people it's about your personal relationship with God. And there's right. the reason why the why you're doing what you're doing is very important. But if you understand it and you've seen God bless you with a little, nobody will tell you, you know, you need to come. You will run because you know what it does for you. Not what yes, I'm telling yes. you that it will do for you. Mm. Hopefully that makes sense. Well. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I uh, for our dear listeners, this is actually um, a topic that Dr. Bright uh, did talk about many years ago. I believe 2011 at our, one of our church meetings. And so I kind of um, allowed him to share this uh, with uh, my listeners because I I was very impacted by that statement when you made 
some 12 years oh. ago and it has uh, had a profound impact on my life so i wanted to kind of lure you in there <laughs> but i wasn't sure if you you still stuck by the same principles oh, yeah. i didn't want to put you on the spot no, no, it's, it's the same <laughs> god god never changes we're the ones that might but god never changes and so we ask for all these good. lessons then yeah we, you know you give more you get more Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, like I said, we're going to be wrapping up soon, but there's uh, a question that um, I, I really need to ask you before we uh, wrap this up, and it's about the issue of co-signing. Um, so um, <laughs> I see your reaction. <laughs> it's become a, a trap uh, for right. people. Uh, some people are, are deemed wicked when they decide right. not to co-sign. Right. Uh, and so share some light on this for us because Ooh. I think sometimes not having the appropriate knowledge right. um, before you co-sign anything uh, becomes, uh, right. it can become very detrimental to your financial health. Right. So uh, share some that, light on that this That is us. a tough one because <laughs> there, there are two ways to go about it. If we're going purely by world standards, normal standards, I will almost say you never co-sign for someone because you're basically mm -hmm. signing your life away. It's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And if you're a young person, now you have kids, you have whatnot, you basically sign your life away. But if we take it into the Christian world, that's why trust comes in. I know Joe. I don't know Joe's parents. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to use Joe's parents to sign for Joe. It's a relationship with the actual individual you don't afford. It's a mm -hmm. trust thing. Because you're literally signing your life to them. Mm. And so it, it entails a lot. And that's why it's one <laughs> you have to prayerfully consider. Um, you know, uh, most of us, like you said, unfortunately, because we did not have a background where we didn't have any other choice, but to have someone do that, it's a relationship built on trust. So if, if it's somebody where you can trust the individual, I remember there's a family that I was very, very good friends with, and they came to me to sign for their son. And I said, no, I will sign for you, but not your son. Your son is not you. That's a mm. big difference. Mm. You are the one I wow. have that relation with, that I trust, that wow. will do that. It's not your son. And so wow. if we're signing for you, I would. But if it's your son, I'm sorry, I can't. Because your son could care less. Mm. And you can only do so much for your son. At some point, wow. they have to do this. So that, that's a tough one. And unfortunately, I don't have the perfect answer. But like I said, in pure terms, I will be more hesitant to tell people, you, you better know who you co-signing for. Yes. You know, because yes. the fact that you co-sign for them, let's say, God forbid, it doesn't mean, let's say, the school, they might finish. But if it's the right person, they will do whatever they need to do to do right by you. Correct. That's the key. You know, nobody knows what can happen tomorrow. They can be ill, whatnot. But you have to understand, at least from the implications point, that if you co-sign for someone, you're signing your rights. You know, yes. so if you at yes. some point you go and you get you a nice house, oh, you've done well, you've got your house, you got your car, guess what? If they don't pay that bill, you're on the hook for that. Mm. You know, and I know people where it's come back to really bite them in a very, very sad way, which then unfortunately yes. puts others off, rightfully so. You know, but I think it's really, really important we know and both come to an understanding because I think one of the biggest things, you know, we're talking about finances here, but one of the other really, really huge things in life in general is communication. And some things are awkward to talk about, but you have to talk about them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think with these finances, where I found sometimes marriage couples, there's a problem is they don't communicate. Everybody has their expectations and they're going parallel. But there's mm -hmm. never that communication to actually figure out between the two of us what is our goal as a family. 
You know, it's the same thing. Communication is key. And some things, even though they're very uncomfortable, one may be disciplined, one is not. It's how do you pull everybody so we kind of pull in the same direction. You know, so it's it's very, very important. But yeah, co-signing, yeah, that's, I'm sorry, that's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, Dr. Ajay uh, basically took our last question right out of my mouth, and that was um, to the partner or to the married couple who are struggling with their finances, what will be his advice to them? But he already answered that and said communication. Um, sit down with your spouse. Uh, talk about your financial goals, uh, how you're going to plan for your children. Because at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, building wealth is a good thing. Everything that we want to do for the kingdom, we don't need money to be able to uh, know Jesus, to build a relationship with him. But if we're going to make an impact in our world today, guess what? The people you'll be sharing Jesus with, they understand impact in a whole different term. And finance is one of the things that they understand um, impact to be about. Um, before we let Dr. Bright uh, go today, we're going to ask him once again, any parting knowledge or words that you want to share with us um, before we uh, bring uh, this uh, section to a close? Well, I want to say scripture says, seek the kingdom first and its righteousness on all things. But one of my favorite scripture also, it's in Proverbs. It says, in everything you do, get understanding. Even if it costs yes. you everything, that's the key. You have to understand why you're trying to do it. Because if you don't, you're just following the crowd. But if you understand mm. the why, it makes everything else, you know, doable. Put it that way. Mm. And also, never give up. You know, never, ever give up. You know, we, roadblocks are part of life. You stumble. We all do. We are by no means there. But there's the fact that we can even think of the possibilities and have hope. It frees our mind. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that's why I buy hope is a, it's a huge thing. A lot of what happens around us happens to kill hope. Let's mm-hmm. give up. You know, how many people, you, you, you physician, how many people, almost everybody has depression and anxiety because there's no hope. But there's only one we can hope in. And if we keep that hope alive, there's so much we can do. Everything and anything we need to do is in us. We just have to tap into it and work at it. And God being our helper, he will surely bless it and will be fruitful and productive. God bless you for having me. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Just one last thing that I will share with a lot of our, our graduates. Um, which I forgot to share with you on our first part of Break by Break, is if you have student loans and you have the opportunity or the ability to work with an organization that will help you to pay these loans, take full advantage of it. Because at the end of the day, it is one of the means that I believe has been made available to us by God in this uh, part of the world that we find ourselves. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Hour of Healing. We hope to see you next week as we dive into another uh, life-changing, breathtaking conversation. And as usual, thank you so much and God bless you for listening. Bye-bye.